0: Hello.
1: Hi. Hi.
0: How's it going? Pretty good. Good. I'm glad to hear that. We're back. We're actually back now. We are back. I think we said that we're back the last two weeks, but we were only half
1: back. That's true. Now we're actually back to doing what we're supposed to do.
0: Back to your regularly scheduled programming of us watching a movie and then talking about it.
1: We did watch a movie today.
0: We did. Um, Hello and welcome to... Episode 21 of We Watch Movies and Then Talk About Them. The only podcast on the internet where we watch a movie and then talk about it.
2: Yes. Sweet. That's yep. us. Guys, but we can buy alcohol now. The
0: podcast, Well, the podcast is 21 weeks old. No. Not years.
2: We are 21 in the government's eyes.
0: All right. Well, the government uh, currently doesn't really exist so. you're right
2: so we can Fair. do whatever we want
0: yeah does that mean that liquor stores stop checking id if the government shuts down i don't know fda shut down i know that i've never
2: been in a liquor store so i can't yeah. tell you
0: mm. they're not that exciting
2: i figure pr- they seem kind of sad
0: <laughs> there's some there's lots of colors <laughs> um today uh, we're back at it. For those of you who are new, basically what we do on this podcast is we watch a movie and then we talk about it. Uh, my name is Andrew Westonsko, and I am the host of this year' podcast, joined at my right hand by Becca Westenskoe. Hello. Hi. It's me. And further at my right hand by Sid Bean.
2: Hi. I'm not a Westensco.
0: Nope. Not cool enough.
2: Unfortunately
0: Unfortunately for Sid, we still do rate every movie that we watch on the Western scale, which is a scale of from 1 to 10 of whatever criteria we determine. It's very exciting.
1: Oh, yeah. I didn't realize that we were leaving Sid out so much with that.
2: Yeah. I feel discriminated against.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you can deal with it. Um, today is an exciting day because finally, finally, finally... We are discussing Paul Thomas Anderson's There Will Be Blood, released in the year 2007. And it's a good one, folks. I think so. We'll see what everybody else thinks. Um, Before we jump too far into it, um, this movie is 11 years old now. We're going to spoil it. If you haven't seen it, Go watch it. It's two hours and 38 minutes long, just so you're prepared. Um, And it is the story of an oil tycoon uh, coming into power. And then just kind of about him, mostly. It's pretty good stuff. But today, like I said, we just watched it. um, And now we're going to talk about it. So kind of how this goes is we just jump right into it. So first off... um. Well, actually, sorry, I forgot to mention as well. Directed by Paul Thomas Anderson, starring Daniel Day-Lewis. Also, Paul Dano is in this film quite a bit. Um, Johnny Greenwood, scoring the film, did a great job. Um, I think those are the most notable contributions, in my mind, anyway. But we jump in here, everybody gives their hot takes, and then we get into a little bit of a deep dive into the meat of the film. Becca, please give us your hot take of Paul Thomas Anderson's There Will Be Blood.
1: All right. Well, this is a movie that I feel like needs to I need to sit with it for a minute and like really think about how I feel about it. But right after watching it, my hot take is not that hot. I thought it was good, and I thought the music was amazing but i'm a little bit disappointed honestly because i was going into this knowing that andrew rates this movie a 10 so i was expecting a lot more and honestly i feel a little bit disappointed it's a little bit too slow for me so that's my not so hot hot take
0: too slow
1: yeah go watch a go
0: watch a marvel movie jeez (laughs)
1: Sorry, sometimes they have to have a different opinion from you, Andrew.
0: That's fair. <laughs> um now, Becca, what's your history with this movie?
1: Just that you talk about it all the time?
0: Oh, that's it. You didn't. Did you like oh. know anything else about it <laughs> going in or No,
1: I didn't really know anything about it going in.
0: You just knew that I really liked it? Yeah. Okay. All right, Sid, what's your hot take?
2: My hot take is Slash
0: oh. your history with the film.
2: Okay hot take is a little bit warmer than Becca's. Um so I didn't know too much about it beforehand. I mean I knew that um it's about an oil rig and um I you know I've heard lots about it, um, especially because it is a Paul Thomas Anderson. Um I've seen of his I've seen uh Phantom Thread and Punch Drunk Love, which I loved both of them. So I had some pretty high high standards for this one and I would say they were met. Um i thought this was great i thought the music was so good the cinematography was great um the directing the acting it was slow but i think it had a good payoff at the end
0: um all right my hot take i agree with Sid. it is very slow nobody's gonna debate that it's a very 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 (laughs) slow movie um but It's very creeping and very ominous, and I think the music does a lot to serve that. Um, I think this is probably my fifth or sixth time seeing it overall. I don't know. I start to lose track sometimes. But I've seen it a handful of times, and I love pretty much everything about this movie. I think that the, the writing the directing, the performances are all brilliant. And I think that the score slash the music it's kind of a hot topic. Johnny Greenwood didn't score everything in this movie. He used a lot of classical music. Um but I think that the music in general um is kind of the thread. Huh? Phantom thread <laughs> that holds all of this movie together. Um but I think it's just so many talented people operating at such a high level. Um that really what gets me about this movie is, I mean, there's a great message and everything like that, but what I really love about this movie, and I think one of the main reasons why I rate it so highly is just because it's such a display of filmmaking as a craft and what you, what, what people are able to achieve. And I think it's also an homage to kind of a, I guess a a bygone age of filmmaking, you'll get something like Gone with the Wind, for example, which is about 94 hours long and nothing (laughs) happens. And you know what I mean? Like these long, slow movies really focusing on, you know, environment and that kind of stuff. I feel like that's something you don't see too often anymore. And I really appreciate that about this movie. Um, But overall, I think that that's where my admiration for it comes from, is that, like I said, it's just so many talented people operating at such a crazy level um, that it's hard to not, I feel, just be captivated by it.
1: I have a question for you, Andrew. What is your question, Becca? Um, When did you decide it was a perfect movie? Oh, you're ruining the surprise. What? I already I already said you thought it was oh, a 10. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah. I was
0: try I was try I was trying to avoid saying that I think it's a 10 until we rate it.
1: Oh, yeah. I, that was like the first thing I
2: said. I'm sorry. Oh, I must have Spoiler alert.
0: Jeez. Well, now you know my rating. Um I think so the first time that I saw it, I watched it just by myself. Um and I really 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 enjoyed it. I think that you're right. I think I did need to sit with it for a little bit. As I think, I mean, I don't think that, I've never like watched a movie and immediately been like, oh, that's a 10. I think that I've watched movies and been like, oh, that could be a 10, but I need to rewatch it or process it or think about it a little bit more. And so I kept watching it. And I feel like, I don't know, it might've been after the second or third time that I saw it that I was like, I think this is, this is a 10. And really, like I said, I think that, the, the, the nature of this specific 10 is just because it's so well made from a craft standpoint. Um, and I'm including in there the performances. Like, everything is just so well done. We've been... Beck and I have been talking about this a lot lately. Um, specifically in regards to my uh, pick for my favorite movie of 2018. Um, which if you don't feel like coming back and listening to our top 10 list for 2018, my favorite film of 2018 was Suspiria. And even saying that it was my number one, my number two, which is Roma, I feel like is an overall probably better film um, from like a filmmaking standpoint, but something that I value super high in movies. And I think it's true of pretty much any movie that I, rate of 10 I, I'd i have to I guess look at my list and make sure that I'm not spewing bull crap here but I think that I value extremely high movies that are able to really transport me to a time and place and I feel like this movie does that super effectively it's a world that I'm able to get lost in and these characters that I'm able to follow and see develop and change and um, that kind of a thing so I think that it was probably after the second or third time that I watched it to answer your question as to when I decided that For me, it's a perfect 10, but I think that's what it comes down to is just, it's, it's so well made. And again, it's slow, but I think the pacing works personally.
1: All right.
0: That's just my opinion though.
1: (laughs) I definitely think that I do need to sit with it for a while because even other slow movies that I disliked immediately after watching them, I've. Come around to a little bit more later on? For example? Well, since I'm thinking about it because it has like basically all the same people, Phantom Thread would be one.
0: Okay. That one, same thing for me. Phantom Thread took a while to grow on me.
1: Yeah. And it was after like talking about some of the things that I liked about it, like weeks later, I like came around to it and liked it more. And I do agree that like this movie does do a good job of like, portraying a world, but for me, at least watching it through the first time, like, I didn't feel as engaged with it as I wanted to. I didn't necessarily feel like I was there. I had a few moments where I felt bored and felt like I was watching a two hours and 38 minute movie, but yeah, I think I do need, I need some time.
0: Yeah, the audience in this movie is very much treated as an audience, if that makes sense. Like, they don't i guess the writing and the filmmaking don't go out of their way to engage you if that makes sense there's mm-hmm. i mean the entire first like 30 minutes there's no dialogue very little music you're just like watching these people mine for gold and then oil for like a half hour yeah you know what i mean like it doesn't it doesn't go out of its way to be flashy and I get like I said very I guess attention grabbing but that makes it sound like it's not interesting because it is interesting and it's beautiful but it's not like your typical opening to a movie
1: well and I, I think that is probably a good quality about this movie that it it doesn't try to make you watch it but it's still something that I I had a hard time with
0: and that's fair I think that's fair yeah said what were your thoughts on were, were you bored at all
2: um there were a few moments it was more just this is my second movie of the day and i like i have a headache and so it was more just kind of taking a break from looking at the screen um but i there, you know there were a few moments where it kind of felt like it was dragging but i felt like the parts where something did actually happen and something exciting happened were well spaced out and the music does a really good job of keeping you invested and then also um you know it's just it's beautiful to look at just watching the movie so that keep kind of keeps you entertained um but yeah i can definitely see why someone would say this is really slow because it is
0: yeah and i i totally agree with you there about the the music specifically i think that the music um and it's interesting because something like beautiful boy that we just saw I got really angry at that movie because I was like, this music is just telling me how to feel. You know what I mean? I kind of harp on that one scene specifically, but it's like, oh, we're playing Seagrass so now you have to feel sad. But this movie, the music does kind of the same thing, but I don't feel manipulated by it because the music is so formless in a way at some parts like i'm thinking specifically of the very very opening shot Mm -hmm. right and it's just this wide desert expanse and then the strings just come up like like super tense super ominous and you like i mean think of that same like exact same opening shot but with like a nice melody over it Mm -hmm. right like it just changes how you feel going into the movie
2: and I mean, music in movies is kind of supposed to manipulate you and kind of um, help you kind of help reinforce the tone that they're looking for. So kind of like the parts when it seemed like nothing was really happening, but the music would start to come in louder and it was more ominous. It, I don't know. It kind of felt like it was kind of trying to grab your attention again to kind of take it from. The, the slower parts, the lulls, and then kind of like ramp you up for the action that's about to come.
0: I think specifically the sequence that comes to mind is when Daniel and Henry are um, laying down the guide for the pipeline. Mm-hmm. And it's got that like super tense, ominous, driving music behind it. And... It, you're kind of like oh what's going on here you know what i mean like this can't just be them walking around putting in stakes mm-hmm. and then you realize afterwards that it the entire time it's just daniel evaluating henry and like figuring out if he is who he says he is kind of a thing mm-hmm. so you realize like that's what's going on in that sequence but you don't know it until after the fact but even the first time watching it you know that something is off and I, I don't know i think that's really impressive
1: mm-hmm. yeah the music was Definitely, by far my favorite part of this movie, and I agree with what both of you said. Um, I felt like the music was kind of trying, like you said, Sid, grabbing your attention and like making a statement almost. Because a lot of movies, I can almost forget the music, which I think is a good thing sometimes. Like it, it does its job. It engages me into the movie. It does what it's supposed to do. Uh, but in this movie. Like the music is so noticeable and like unforgettable, and feels like it almost w- shouldn't work with the scenes, but like works so perfectly, and like that was yeah by far my favorite part of the movie. Great music.
0: Yeah, I mean, are there anything else on the music before we?
2: Um, just what I put in my notes. Uh, the music after kind of the explosion. And oh,
0: how like all the percussiony! Yeah. Oh, when, when, my gosh. Because it
2: just like starts off with like that kind of like little tink. And then there's another one. And then it just keeps building. And pretty much the only way I put it in my notes, the only way I can describe it is just Mwah. it's so good. It's just like so chaotic and awesome.
0: Oh, my gosh. that And that scene specifically is that scene, I think, has my second favorite shot in the movie where he and what's the guy's name? Starts with an F. His, like, associate. What is his name? Fletcher. Fletcher. So, like, Fletcher's standing up and Daniel's all, like, hunched down. Mm -hmm. And the light of the fire is kind of playing off them. And Daniel's all covered in oil. And then there's that moment where Fletcher is like, is H.W. all right? Daniel's like, nope. No, he isn't. And then just zooms in on his face. That shot of those two standing there, I think, is my second favorite shot of the movie. My favorite being at the very end with – I just lost his name. Eli. Eli uh, laying there with his head bashed in and Daniel sitting in the bowling lane next to him. Like that kind of overhead (laughs) shot of them I think is just gorgeous. That's such an incredible shot. But um, I guess that leads into next topic, um, which are my two favorite things about this movie, which are the cinematography – so we'll talk about that first, if you guys are cool with that. Yeah. Um, and this, I didn't know this. So this movie actually won um, two Oscars. It won. Um, so Daniel Day-Lewis won for lead actor, which, of course. Yeah. Um, and then it also, it won cinematography. But on top of that, it was nominated for Best Picture, Best Directing, Best Adapted Screenplay, Editing, Art Direction, and Sound Editing. And this was kind of a a hot button year um between this and there will be blood or not there will be, uh, no country for old men people were, everybody was pretty much narrowed down to to those two and there was a bit of a hubbaloo <laughs> uh that no country for old men won and I also think that it's a a tragedy that this didn't win hmm which th- it turns out that this was just a great year because I didn't know this the nominees that year were No Country for Old Men, Juno, There Will Be Blood, Atonement and Michael Clayton and Atonement is also a ten for me so this was just a great year
1: <laughs> wow <laughs> um
0: but I do think that this is better than Atonement that's just me
1: I think Atonement is better but and
0: that's fine well you didn't really <laughs> But like that's it, just you so. it's true yeah but again I think that I think the cinematography um does so much to make the environment um a character in this movie um a lot of these wide sweeping shots um again when when the and it, it, this is another time that it does this like i mentioned like the opening shot it's just these mountains right and then the the strings swell up and then it's the guy down in the well and you're like okay that was weird like Why should I be scared right now? And then the dude busts his leg and hauls himself back up and it zooms out and shows you almost the exact same shot with the exact same strings. But now like you're feeling it. I think that's another time where it like preps you for something and then shows you why it did that. I think that's so cool. But I think, like I said, I think it does such a good job of making the environment really a character in this movie. Um... As well, there's that shot when H.W. and Daniel arrive at the Sunday ranch and they get they get up to the top of the hill and they look over and it's just nothing like it really it really gives you this context that they are in the middle of nowhere and there is nothing around. And I think that that starkness is really essential to the the feeling of the film and the the tone of it and the cinematography does so much to serve that
2: yeah i agree um in my notes i said uh cinematography it's so ugly but it's so beautiful at the same time just i don't know the way that they set up their shots and just um yeah i totally agree that it it, you kind of it feels like you're there you're like put into it because i especially noticed it in um The scene where Daniel gets baptized and just like, it just, it looks so stuffy. Such a gorgeous (laughs) scene. Like it just looks so stuffy and hot in there. But then like you have him kneeling and you can see like his outline in the, in the sun from coming in from the cross. And it's just, I don't know. Yeah. It's very realistic and it just kind of transports you there, Ah. which is not a good place to be. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah, I think those are, like, really good comments. I love what you said, Sid, about the, like, ugliness looking pretty. I definitely thought that because it's desert. Like, it's it's just ugly. But it does look really beautiful when you're watching it. And I also really liked how, like, even the oil, it was just black. But anytime you saw it, it felt like a stark contrast from everything else Mm -hmm. and felt really... Like important, I guess.
0: No, that's a good way to put it. I think that I think that's owed as much to directing as it is to cinematography as well. Like, I think that that's that's a good way to put it. And I I I wouldn't have used those words, but I, I think that's a good way to say it. Is that the every time you see the oil, it feels important.
2: Yeah, yeah, because like everything's washed out and just like brown, but just like the the um intensity of the darkness of The oil, it just, yeah, it feels like it's a big thing to everyone. Yeah. When, like, when you
1: see it just, like, shooting up into the air and just, like, covering everything in oil, like, I don't know. That was really cool to watch. Yeah.
0: No, there's a lot of moments in this movie that just look awesome. Yeah. I think that that washed out quality and how brown everything is um, leads to... I guess why another one of my favorite sequences is so impressive, which is Henry and Daniel's, uh, I guess, journey west to the sea. And, excuse me. (laughs) Well, I'm not going to burp into the microphone. Jeez. Um, And how everything just progressively becomes greener until you get that shot of them jumping into the ocean and you have that blue-green of the water. And uh, that scene is just so gorgeous and like they do such a good job in that scene of making the relationship between the two of them feel off. And I think that another one of my favorites, uh, shots is, um, when they're on the beach after Daniel gets up and it just hangs on Henry and he's just like sitting there with his head on his knees and the shot just hangs there forever, which is such an awesome choice.
1: Well, I love also in that shot how he's like completely in the shade and Daniel is like right in the sun. Yeah. I don't know if that's supposed to mean anything or I'm sure it what, is. but it was just like a really cool contrast. Cinematographers
0: well. don't mess around with lighting.
1: It's fair. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. And, that, and another thing um, is they're not very flashy. And I, I think this might have been the first time that I really noticed them. There's a lot of really cool tracking shots in this mm-hmm. that I, I never noticed before now. Um, specifically, I'm thinking of um, when Daniel, uh, after HW has his accident, there's, that, there's like a whole, it, it like follows Daniel carrying him into the mess hall. And it's just it's just a really cool way to make the movie really immersive.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I also noticed the tracking shot of them building the pipes, the pipeline. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one of my other notes is that the camera is never really still. There are like a few scenes, but like even if it's just kind of like a steady shot of someone talking, it just like will gradually zoom in on it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just it's very submersive. It's awesome.
0: I, you want to talk about the zooms? I think... My favorite one is Daniel's opening monologue where he's sitting on the on the chair and he's got HW standing behind mm-hmm. him and it it, it, it it I don't know how they do it but it changes focus like four times mm-hmm. So it like starts out on Daniel and Daniel never stops talking but then the focus shifts to HW as it zooms in and then mm-hmm. shifts back to Daniel and yeah. like back and forth between them as Daniel's talking and they do, I don't know if they just do it with like a focus or how they do it, but like they shift your attention back and forth between the two of them while they're just slowly zooming in on Daniel talking. I think that's such a cool shot. Yeah, it's awesome. And again, I think that, that the fact that the camera isn't still, um, does a lot to, I guess at least for me, help it feel not quite as slow as I think it could have. Cause it, the movie feels like, alive again it feels like you're experiencing it
2: yeah because if you're you're watching the scene of them building the pipeline and it's just a steady shot from far away it's like oh okay Mm -hmm. i guess that's cool but like as you're going you're watching all these different guys doing their different jobs and you see the guy just hitting his hammer and then you see the guys putting it into place then you and then you shift focus to daniel um being reunited with hw and yeah it's just it it keeps you entertained when it normally would have been really boring to just look at
0: yeah i think that scene specifically as well gives you a better idea of the scale of the pipeline Mm -hmm. which i think is a cool detail yeah yes i mean it did win an oscar for cinematography so it has to be pretty decent
2: well deserved and
0: again, I hadn't heard of this guy before. Um, I guess he's just Paul Thomas Anderson's go-to dude. He's filmed. What did we say? He filmed Boogie Nights and Punch Drunk Love,
2: Inherent Vice, Inherent Vice. I think that was the big ones. Yeah. 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 Good stuff.
0: Very good stuff. Um, that's the cinematography.
2: Yeah. Nice.
0: Um, my other favorite aspect of this. Uh, movie. And maybe the thing that I like the most is Daniel Day Lewis and the character of Daniel Playview, Which I think obviously this movie uh lives and dies on that character and that performance. Mm-hmm. I mean it's it could be seen as like a biopic <laughs> if they, this guy was real. <laughs>
2: they said that if Daniel Day Lewis didn't sign up for the movie they probably wouldn't have made it. Really? Yeah. Wow. I think it I mean who if,
0: else who else is gonna play this? Yeah.
2: If you're not getting Daniel Day Lewis, you just don't make it
0: i think that that's i guess true of any role that i've ever seen daniel day lewis and i can't imagine anybody else playing it yeah um go ahead
1: i do have to say that his performance was amazing like
2: i don't he just like captured the role so well yeah i mean he's not a crazy method actor for nothing yeah right like Yeah. yeah yeah
0: At, if you're gonna be a douchebag, at <laughs> least he gets results.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I was looking. He only has uh 29 acting credits. How did he?
0: How did Daniel Day Lewis become Daniel Day
2: Lewis? The earliest one I can think of was maybe Last of the Mohicans, of like his big wa- roles.
0: Is he British? Yeah. Huh.
2: Uh, i read that. You're kidding me. The He's first time. <laughs> The first time in nineteen years, he got to act in his native accent for Phantom Thread.
0: That's just what his voice sounds like. Are you serious?
2: Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So he. Let's see. Last. Last can probably was the.
2: My left foot was a big one for him too.
0: Age of Innocence is pretty big. The boxer, I've heard he's really good in that. Didn't he win an Oscar for that?
2: I don't think so. I think he won for...
0: No? What did he win for? I think
2: he won for my left... No, he he won for Age of Innocence, I'm pretty sure. Let me check.
0: Or just read 9DB on the podcast.
2: Oh. Three Oscars. Oh, um, Lincoln, There Will Be Blood, and My Left Foot.
0: Well, all right. So it seems like probably My Left Foot then would have been the...
2: Yeah, that was probably his breakout.
0: Like I said, I mean, if you're going to be a dick, like, at least he gets results and like, turns in these (laughs) amazing performances. I mean, think about every movie that he's in. Find me a movie that he's in that his performance doesn't just carry you know what I mean? Like, even just looking here, at least what I've seen, Gangs in New York. Oh,
2: he's like, so sorry, good in that. Like, but,
0: uh, like, Leo holds his own mm-hmm. in that, which is impressive. But, yeah. like.
2: Oh, he's so good in that. Bill the Butcher carries that movie. When he freaking taps his eye with the knife. Ugh.
0: Um, there will be blood, obviously. Lincoln, what? <laughs> and yeah. then Phantom Thread, like. Except for same thing in Phantom Thread, the girl in that, I forget her name.
2: Alma,
0: yeah she she was actually my pick for best actress last year, but she wasn't nominated. Wow, yeah,
2: yeah, she's really. Good I thought
0: that. I thought her performance was my favorite that I saw in um, any film that year. Mm-hmm. But what are you gonna do if they don't even nominate her? Who won? Was it? That's what oh, I'm trying to think. Uh, Three billboards. What's your name? Oh, oh yeah, Francis McDormand. Francis McDormand. Yeah, I do love her. fine performance. Yeah. Great. Uh, that's a great movie. I just thought that. Uh what is her name? I don't I want to give her credit. Hang on. Um, Vicky Cripps.
1: Such a great job. Mhm. She did do a, a really good job.
2: Yeah, it kind of doesn't make sense that um Cyril his sister was nominated but not Alma.
0: Oh, I think everybody should have been nominated. Oh that. yeah. Yeah. Cyril did a wonderful job.
2: Yeah. But it just uh, Yeah, why would they I mean, it probably came down to a big number of people to nominate. Honestly,
0: they were my picks for pretty much every category. (laughs) Like, Daniel (laughs) Day-Lewis was my favorite. Uh Uh, Gary Oldman. (sighs) Uh, But, like, Daniel Day-Lewis was my pick for last year. Mm -hmm. She was my pick for Best Actress. I mean, it's really a toss-up in Supporting Actress. I'm fine with the lady from I, getting it last year. Uh I thought she did, obviously, a great job. Yeah. What are you going to do? Back to There Will Be Blood. (laughs) <laughs> um I think that his his performance and the character of Daniel Plainview are just so fascinating. Mm-hmm. You really get to see and he he tells you who he is when he's talking to henry, and I think that it's he's such an interesting character because he's driven by this greed and competition, but he also has this need for Family and connection, and it's almost like he flips a switch between which one he needs in any moment, um, and he just continue like he just always takes offense from everybody. I don't know. It's he's such an interesting character because he's so prideful and so stubborn. Um, he's just. I mean, he's he is capitalism run wild.
1: <laughs> well, and I even. As, like, my first time watching it, in the very beginning, I thought he was a fine guy, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, all right, he seems good. Like, he's, like, honest and whatever. And then I, like, it took me a while to figure out why he hated Eli so much. And because Eli challenges him. Yeah. And then just, like, watching his character just kind of break down over the course of the movie and, like, go from, like... Even this front that he's putting up for the audience, I guess. And then you see what it really is, which is, I think that's a perfect way to say it. Like flipping a switch between greed and family. Like, because you can tell
2: that he loves his son, like his son. Yeah. Yeah. But then as soon as his son says that he wants to start his own business, he freaks out and, you know, disowns him. So yeah, it's just a it's like a internal battle for him.
0: Do you guys think that he just found him in a basket? What do you think? The, uh, I guess I mean, you can't really trust a word that yeah. he says yeah. by the end. But I think it's I mean it's possible, but I just don't know.
2: I would probably say no because he's such a kind of he's a hateful man, so it kind of seems unlikely that he would find this baby and devote his entire life to it and love it if he just found it.
0: But even tells him he's like i just needed a cute face to buy real estate
1: yeah well how i understood it and maybe this is totally wrong i thought this he was the son of the guy who died down in the mine with him
0: here's the thing i yeah i'm with you i think that either he actually is his son or he's the son of the guy who died in the well
1: that's what i thought even like when it shows the scene of him like trying to hold him and he's just the baby's just like crying and then it shows the scene of them in the train and he's like really interested in like that baby didn't know the man like that baby didn't know daniel before then and so i think that he like kind of took over that role of dad because his dad died and also because he thought he could use him
0: yeah that's interesting very astute I don't I'm not an expert on baby behavior so I wouldn't have picked up on that. You
2: think I would because that's what I study, but no.
0: Becca just knows a lot of babies.
2: I do know a lot of babies. I know one.
1: Well, I feel like you should know Andrew, like my nieces and nephews when they first met you, they touch your beard. <laughs> like they're interested in like figuring out who you are and that's what the baby does on the train. Is I guess Like that's fair. Touches his mustache.
0: I guess I just, I I wouldn't pick up on that. Yeah. It's a good observation. I don't know. And then I think his just his arc of like he's just a sleeping bear. And if you poke him, he'll destroy you. And if you leave him alone, he'll leave you alone. Kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. Like there's that guy from Union Oil that he just wants to shame and destroy because he embarrassed him one time. You know what I mean? And then even such a oh, my gosh, such an amazing ending. But like. Eli is the only one who ever beat him. Mm-hmm. He got him to kneel down and let him slap him and be told what to do. And, like, from that moment, I think Daniel decided he was he just had to destroy Eli. And so Eli comes to him, and Daniel makes him admit that he's a false prophet and that he's a sham and oh, just the milkshake line.
2: <laughs> so good
0: and then the butler comes down and daniel i'm finished (laughs) oh my gosh what a great line to end it because he is he's done he beat everybody Mm -hmm. everybody is beneath him as far as he sees it he beat his son because he in his mind he came out on top of that interaction he took out the other oil companies and then finally he takes out eli I'm finished. What a... Oh, my gosh. What a great (laughs) line.
1: Yeah, I do think that his greed and, like, his ability to hold a grudge just kind of drives the whole story. Mm -hmm. And, man, he holds a grudge.
0: Well, yeah. And anybody that wrongs him, like, they're done.
1: Doesn't matter what they do. Even a little bit wrong.
0: Yeah. That's why he shot Henry. Yeah. I think that he also... I, I think the, the concept of the character of Henry is such an interesting idea as well. Like, because Daniel, he didn't need to kill everybody that wronged him. Like, he, he needed to kill Henry and he needed to kill Eli. It, that was the need he felt because Eli managed to shame and embarrass him in public, and um, Henry managed to get him to be vulnerable. He he got he pretended to be family and like that's a line that you don't cross. Ironically enough, considering that he pretended to have a child. But
1: well, I think it's so interesting, like looking at Daniel's character from like a psychological viewpoint, that like um, he it sounds like was abandoned by his parents and never really had any close family. I took. But like I
0: I, I understood that he abandoned his parents
1: maybe that's what it was either way. Like he was left alone and by himself. And I think he had like such a strong need to have that family relationship, which is why he had a son that wasn't really his son and a brother that wasn't really his brother. Like he Mm -hmm. attached to that and like wanted it so bad, but because it wasn't actually real, like it didn't do it for him and it wouldn't cut it.
0: And I think that makes the movie more satisfying for us as an audience that like, sure at the end he's infinitely rich and has everything he wants but like he doesn't have the single thing that he actually wants yeah that's satisfying for us as an audience to see him not get what he wants because he's a dick
1: and just going back to the performance which is how we start what we're talking about i guess um i just think that daniel day lewis just like displays that so well like just with the way that he looks at his son or his brother or whatever like you can tell that like he just wants family
0: that look on his face right after he shoots um henry he's oh, just got yeah. crazy eyes like
1: <laughs> how do you even make your face look like that like I
0: don't know. you'd be daniel day lewis i guess
1: yeah. yeah
2: you devote years to one role seriously I guess <laughs> so.
0: man and not to take anything away again i feel like in a lot of daniel day lewis movies it's just up to the other actors to keep up with him yeah, and I think that he pushes people to new levels because Paul Dano keeps up with him here, which is super impressive. Oh yeah, yeah. he's this so is, good. This is the first film that I ever saw Paul Dano in.
2: I think the first thing I saw him in was Little Miss Sunshine.
0: Mm.
2: I just remember there was one, and I thought he was weird looking. He's, he's weird looking. He's so good in this.
0: Oh my gosh. It, it, I just keep coming back to how amazing the end sequence is where he's talking to Eli and he's like, he's like, do you know why Eli? Because you are not the chosen brother. Paul was the prophet. Like, oh my God. I loved that. If you have a milkshake and I have a milkshake, (laughs) my straw reaches all the way across the room.
2: I drink, I drink your, your milkshake. milkshake. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so good.
2: It's so weird, but it's so good. And when
0: he just gets down like on his haunches, mm-hmm. starts screaming
2: drainage
0: at him. Like... <laughs> That's one of those things that like, if you looked at the screenplay for that and just like read the dialogue, you'd be like, what? <laughs>
2: yeah. I drink your milkshake.
1: But
0: he sells it. He's. So
1: well, and again, like he just uses like his entire body mm-hmm. to like
2: run around the room. He's incredibly like,
0: physical in this role. Yeah,
2: it's crazy. He's so lanky. Yeah, yeah. Like his an odd his body. ankles and those like lace up boots are like yeah. that big. Yeah, and he's just
1: always like kind of hunched over.
0: Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Well, because. Isn't that him that breaks his leg at the beginning? Yeah. Yeah. So that's why, because he's all.
2: Yeah. Which I forgot
1: about that until the end. I was like, why is he limping? But so
2: is he limping throughout the whole movie. I didn't really notice it till like halfway. It gets
0: worse as it goes. Like It gets progressively worse. That's what I thought. Okay. Which
2: kind of makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So good when he's just like chasing Eli around and just chucking the bowling pins. pins Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. He's terrifying.
0: But I think that's what I think that jumps back to a comment that you made at the beginning, Sid, is that, yeah, the movie's slow and you need to work a little bit to be engaged at certain parts, especially when there's no music and no dialogue and it's just these gorgeous shots. But the payoff for it is so, so, so good.
1: I definitely like the second half better than the first half, but you need the first half to get correct to get there. Yeah.
0: I think I'd compare the opening of this to like the opening of like two thousand one. Yeah. That like you really need to give it your all to be interested, <laughs> <laughs> but it's worth it. That's true. Yeah. So I don't know. I think that I, don't know. I keep coming back to your question in my head of like, when did I decide this was a ten? And I think that it really for me just does come down to this. Just so satisfying to watch, and so good. Go, Paul Thomas Anderson,
2: dude. <laughs> what else you guys got? I mean, that's all I wrote. I didn't write a whole lot of notes this time. That's fine. Yeah,
1: my only note was that the music is amazing. We're keeping it
0: loosey goosey. <laughs> we're keeping the, the. We're not going to talk about it more than we need to.
2: Yeah. Nope. I just one of my notes was I love H W. Just like there's so many scenes where he's just next to his dad and he's just staring, and I don't know. I just loved him.
0: It's yeah, it's it's sweet how like clearly enamored he is with his dad.
2: Mm-hmm. But he's also just kind of like the opposite of his dad. Where his dad's just crazy and just screaming at people and he's just kind of hanging out yeah. until he tries to light Henry on fire, which I don't completely understand why.
0: I think he's just I think he's just a cry for attention. Henry comes in and takes a spot that HW had by himself for Yeah, how I can many see years? that.
1: Well, and he just lost his hearing and is frustrated and doesn't know what's going
0: on. Jumping back. Sorry, one more thing um, about Daniel's obsession with family. There's a recurring line throughout that he always talks about people having pieces of him in them. Mm -hmm. So like when he's talking to Henry the first time and he's like... He's like, I need to win or like, I'm uh, like, he asks me if he's an angry man or whatever. And he's like, well, if that's in me, there's some of that in you. Like he's obsessed with this connection between members of a family. And like to him at the end, when he's disowning HW, the worst thing that he can think to say to him is that there's none of me in you. I thought that was really interesting. He uses that line several times, mm. but it, that obsession of of connection between family members.
1: That is interesting. I didn't think about that.
0: Yeah, it's a really, it's a cool line and it's a cool way to put it. Yeah. He's obsessed with people having pieces of themselves present in other people.
1: I think the one thing I will say about, I know my like original hot take was like maybe not the best, but I do think there's a lot in this that I can keep thinking about, specifically when it comes to family and the need for family versus greed. Like when a movie can give me something to think about. And keep thinking about for a long time, like then it's a good movie.
0: Amen. What else you guys said?
2: Um. Anything. I don't know. I was kind of thinking about his motivation between greed and family, and it kind of seems almost more um, his need for control, where with the the oil his control is to get as much oil as he can and to make as much money as he can. And then when it comes to control, it's more, I don't know, keeping his family close to him and keeping them in line. And then when he found out that Henry betrayed him, he lost that control over the relationship.
0: Well, and I think that's interesting as well because it all centers around him. Because even like when he's talking to Henry, right? He asks him if he's an angry man. And Henry's like, I don't think so. And he's like, well, I am. And if it's in me, that means it's in you. Mm-hmm. It doesn't occur to him that maybe because it's in Henry, the like not angry part could also be in him. Yeah. Like, everything is centered around Daniel.
2: Yeah. What is in him is going to be in someone else. Not what's in someone around. else is going to be in me. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Maybe he's just a narcissist. Who knows?
2: Maybe. Narcissists tend to be stupid, but...
0: And he's very smart.
2: He is. But Maybe yeah. I think he's just a dick, probably. He's <laughs> <laughs> That'd be my guess. Is that a
0: diagnosis?
1: Yeah, <laughs> I
2: I study um human development, and I can legally say that he's just a dick. Okay, yeah, that's good to know.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, do we have any trivia? Yes. Oh.
2: Oh yes, we do.
0: Trivia said what?
2: Okay, so funny that there was kind of a battle between this movie and There Will Be Blood because No Country for Old Men. Yes, that one. Um they filmed in the same area for part of it and the scene let me make sure. The scene where the oil rig blows up, um No Country for Old Men had to stop filming for a day because there was so much smoke in the air. (laughs) like they had to stop for a whole day suck it cohen brothers (laughs) that is funny um oh so um the mom of the actor who plays hw he's not an actual actor he was just kind of like a kid that they chose um she kind of did research on daniel j lewis because she knew they were going to be working together a lot and the first movie she watched of his was gangs of new york oh boy so yeah she started to freak out after that um didn't want him to be in it and But then she watched uh, Age of Innocence, and she changed her mind.
0: I don't know much about that movie. Me either. Is he sweet in it or something?
2: I have no idea. Um, Paul Dano was supposed to play just the role of Paul at the beginning. Um, but then, let me see. After four days of filming that, they decided to have him play Eli as well. So he had four days to get ready for that role and Daniel Day-Lewis had a whole year to prepare for it. So that's wow. more impressive with how well he keeps up with him. Yeah. Uh, I actually
0: knew that. That's, that I, I love that. They're just like, yeah. Uh, no, yeah, we want you. Like, yeah. <laughs>
2: um, every Wednesday night during editing, Paul Thomas Anderson and company would have just steak and straight vodka for dinner to keep in the mentality of Daniel Plainview.
0: Jeez. Yeah. He drank whiskey though. <laughs>
2: That's true. But maybe they just didn't like whiskey. (laughs) Whiskey! Paul Thomas Um,
0: Anderson's a vodka guy.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, So when they were filming, they were pretty loose about where the scenes would take place. They would film in multiple different places and then watch them back and decide what to put in the actual movie.
0: I guess that works when most of your setting is just... Wide just open, dirt nothing yeah <laughs> where um, was this film does it say
2: um part of it was california part of it was texas texas is where <coughs> they um what is happening to my voice <coughs> technical <coughs> sorry um it was when they were filming in texas that they kind of ran into no country for old men well,
0: that makes sense because no country for old men actually takes place in texas yeah
2: so. <laughs> yeah it's all ugly that's all that matters um the first line of di- dialogue is no, which is 5 minutes into the movie, but that wasn't even scripted. So the first scripted dialogue was 14 minutes into the movie.
0: Oh, is it when he slips? Yeah. He says no, nah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. That doesn't count.
2: No. <laughs> uh Daniel Day-Lewis worked for his role for 3 years. Heavens. Yeah. Um What do you
0: do? What does that mean? You I worked don't know. for Was he like also a teller or something like to actually pay the like what... <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I I can't think of what you could do for three what years. What do you do for three years? I mean, like you can wow. talk in your accent get the mannerisms, but for three years? Jeez. I don't know. Every shot in this film follows the rule of thirds, which I thought was really cool. Which is. Um, pretty much that nothing's really centered. Everything's kind of it's more I learned about it in photography class um <laughs> yeah <laughs> so i'm in the arts it's fine um so it's kind of like if you were looking at like uh uh horizon the the mountains would be on the lower third and then the sky would take up the top two thirds oh okay yeah there i noticed that especially um when henry and daniel were talking and they were both like they split the screen evenly, hmm. so they were the on the thirds uh and that's about it. Oh, the opening shot um with the mountains and the kind of eerie music um is supposed to be reminiscent of the opening of the shining.
0: ah, I totally see that hmm that's awesome, actually. well, thank you. This has been Trivia Corner.
2: that's good thank trivia. you. Thanks. I did it all by myself. All right. I made up all the trivia.
0: Oh, that doesn't seem ethical. What are you going to do? Well, it's too late now. It's on wax. Yep. <laughs> um, Becky, you know how this goes by this point. You've had plenty of time to think. Final thoughts and score out of 10.
1: Final thoughts. Well, I do still stand by some of the things I said with my hot take that... It did feel really long for me, um, and I had plenty of moments where I felt bored. Uh, but I do think there's a lot of really good things going for this movie, and I I think it's a movie that I'll think about afterward. So that makes me think that it's probably a good movie, as <laughs> well, as well as the music and cinematography <laughs> and acting and you know everything else that goes into making a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think I will rate it a nine
0: really whoa yeah wow okay Sid
2: um I really liked this I was really excited about this one um I think it met up with my expectations I just thought it was great I mean Dano D. Lewis is fantastic so is Paul Dano music photo- uh, cinematography everything's so good um I'm gonna give this one a nine point four
0: All right. uh, No surprises here for me. I love this movie. Um, It's probably in my top five movies of all time. It's a 10.
1: (laughs) All (laughs) right. Surprise, surprise. Uh, A 9,
0: a 9.4, and a 10 gives us an average of what? 9.4. I don't know.
2: It's
1: probably like 9.55. Oh, that puts it really far up there.
0: That puts it really far up there. 9.5. That puts it as the third highest rated movie that we've watched on the podcast. Only behind The Tree of Life and Dancer in the Dark. And that closes our discussion on Paul Thomas Anderson's There Will Be Blood. Crazy. Moving on to other topics. It's been a while since we've recorded. um, So we're not going to do every movie that we have watched. um, But uh, any notable movies?
2: If Beale Street could talk.
0: I take it you enjoyed it.
2: Oh, my gosh. It was so good. It was uh, worth the wait. Oh, my gosh. It was just by the eight-minute mark, I already cried, and I did not stop crying through the whole movie.
0: That's good? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Just
2: double-checking. <laughs> <laughs> it's just... Uh, it's just... The only way I can describe it is just beautiful. The, The story, the cinematography, just... Oh, the music just Barry Jenkins is so incredible. I love him. I wouldn't say it's as good as um Moonlight, but it's still pretty pretty darn good.
0: Yeah. Well, all right. Becca, have you watched anything?
2: Um, the only thing we've
1: watched recently is Silence. We watched that last week. <laughs> and that was so good. Like so good. I loved it.
0: Silence is, silence is great. That's one that we, I'd be interested to do that on the podcast. But it's also one that, um. I guess, maybe shouldn't be talked about on the podcast for your first time watching it. Yeah. I feel like that one, more than a lot of other movies, requires some digestion.
1: Yeah, and usually we talk, like, I, that's a movie that Andrew and I would regularly, like, talk about. Mm-hmm. But we haven't talked about it since we watched it. So Yeah,
0: we'll get around to it. Yeah. uh we had some technical difficulties there unfortunately <laughs> yeah there's like 15 minutes of podcast that just didn't record <laughs> yeah um but i'm not gonna say it again because it's not that fun to do it over again um so basically uh as you didn't hear which is everybody um i watched the house that jack built uh by lars von Trier, um and it was pretty good
1: <laughs> all right <laughs>
0: Definitely, if you're interested in seeing it, look into it beforehand to see if it's something you'd be interested in. Yeah. Um, It has a reputation for being brutally graphically violent, and I found that to not be quite true.
1: So. Mm. All right. Cool.
0: Um, But there are some, there's flashes of brilliance in it. Um, The ending, the last probably 30 minutes are just absolutely ingenious and incredibly made and just Awesome made me want to after watching Dance in the Dark and now seeing this it made me want to go back and watch more Lars von Trier movies but from what I understand from looking into them a lot of his movies are like incredibly brutal Mm -hmm. like either violently or sexually yeah have you
2: ever heard of Dogville yes yeah that one I don't know Lars von Trier doesn't really interest me too much well
0: because like uh, I said so Dancer in the Dark was the first that I ever saw and I was like obviously blown away by uh-huh. it and this one while very pretentious I enjoyed uh-huh. but like from what I understand like he has a bunch of films with like super crazy graphic nudity and, yeah like hmm. violence and stuff like that and I'm just like yeah can't you tell your story like I don't necessarily have a problem with nudity in film
2: uh-huh.
0: like if it serves the themes or the plot yeah but from what I can tell reading The Parent's Guide on IMDb <laughs> Is that a lot of the times it just gets gratuitous in his movies. Yeah. So I'll have Mm. to pick and choose which ones I think I can stomach.
1: Mm -hmm. I just want to watch Dance in the Dark again.
0: Yeah. uh, Can we get a Blu-ray release, please? So that I can actually purchase that movie. (laughs) Because
1: that one is probably a 10 for me.
0: I'm not buying no DVD. (laughs) I got standards. (laughs) Same thing. Uh, Dance in the Dark and Death of Stalin. Can we please get a Blu-ray release? Because I'm about two seconds away from buying the European release of Death of Stalin on Blu-ray. And I hate doing that because they put their stupid little ratings on the front and it makes my cover look ugly. (laughs) And that's why I don't like my Stanley Kubrick collection and that's why I don't like my original copy of Thin Red Line because they're both European. stupid.
1: (laughs) Andrew really cares about what our movies look like on the shelf.
0: Well, absolutely I do. The (laughs) shelf is important. Um, but yeah, those are my thoughts Or some of my thoughts on Lars von Trier's The House of the Jack built
2: I also watched Leave No Trace yesterday
0: Dude!
2: It was pretty good That's what I've heard. I liked it, I, I mean I Have it. you seen uh, Winter's Bone? No So it's the same director as that Um, so it's It's very slow And kind of depressing This one's less depressing than Winter's Bone Um yeah. But I thought it was really good. I honestly fell asleep in the last 20 minutes of it, so I'm going to have to go back and rewatch it. But it was really good. Ben Foster is really good. And it's just where they filmed it is really pretty because they filmed it in the mountains. Hmm. So I'd say it's really good. Solid watch. All right.
0: Yeah. Any other topics? Ooh, nope. I have one. Hang on. We're going to pause the podcast for just a second because i got to find it. And we're back. Magical editing happening on this episode of the podcast. (laughs) Yes. Um, We're going to be discussing as our final item of business uh, the results of the 2019 Golden Globes. Sid is very excited about it. She agrees with every single award, (laughs) thinks that the picks were great, um, and really has no comments on them, Mm, I think.
2: I have many, many comments. So we're going to run
0: through the, uh, the movie categories, and if you hear Sid screaming in the background, you'll understand why. Um... Motion picture drama, Bohemian Rhapsody came away with the win. (laughs) Um, Motion picture, musical or comedy, uh, Green Book came away with the win. Over... So, sorry. uh, Bohemian Rhapsody won over Black Panther, Black Klansman, If Beale Street Could Talk, and A Star is Born. Um, Green Book beat out Vice, Crazy Rich Asians, The Favourite, and Mary Poppins Returns. Glenn Close came away with Best Performance by an Actress in a Motion Picture, uh, beating out Lady Gaga, Nicole Kidman, Melissa McCarthy, and Rosamund Pike. Um, Rami Malek came away with the win for Best Actor, beating out Bradley Cooper, Willem Dafoe, Lucas Hedges, and John David Washington. Uh, Bradley Cooper not even nominated, oddly enough. Uh, actress in a Musical or Comedy, uh, Olivia Coleman won. 100% okay with that one. Sure. She beat out Emily Blunt, Elsie Fisher, Charlize Theron, and Constance Wu. Um, actor in a musical or comedy, Christian Bale came away, which is fine, beating out Lin-Manuel Miranda, Viggo Mortensen, Robert Redford, and John C. Riley. Um, supporting actress, Regina King, beating out Amy Adams, Claire Foy, Emma Stone, and Rachel Weisz. Um, Actor in a supporting role. Mahershala Ali came away, beating out Timothy Chalamet, Adam Driver, Richard E. Grant, and Sam Rockwell. Uh, Best Director of a Motion Picture. uh, Alfonso Cuaron. Beat Peter Farrelly, Spike Lee, Adam McKay, and Bradley Cooper. Best Screenplay. um, Green Book. Beat out Vice, Roma, The Favorite, and If Beale Street Could Talk. Animated Motion Picture, Into the Spider-Verse, which... Beck and I are still trying to go see that. Yes. Uh, Foreign language film. Obviously went to Roma. Beat out Shoplifters, Capernaum, Girl, and Never Look Away. None of which I've ever heard of.
2: I've heard of Shoplifters. That's it.
0: Original score went to First Man. Beating out A Quiet Place, Isle of Dogs, Black Panther, and Mary Poppins Returns. Original song. Shallow. Which is fine. Uh, Beat out A Bunch of Crap You Don't Care About. And then we get to the T V and I don't care about that.
2: No, no one cares. So Sid,
0: what do you think?
2: <laughs> Great picks?
0: Bohemian Rhapsody huh?
2: I was so mad. I had to I was watching it with my family and I got so mad I had to go stand outside in the cold just to cool off for a bit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> about Bohemian Rhapsody specifically? Yeah.
2: I mean like I was kind of okay with Rami Malek winning. Like he was fine. They were better obviously freaking bohemian i was furious yeah that's a weird yeah. pick
0: so i have not seen if bill street could talk i actually haven't seen bohemian rhapsody so i can't say a lot uh-huh. but i have seen black panther black clansman and star is born and i love the born i was yeah. pretty lukewarm on black clansman and black panther I enjoyed.
2: yeah so i pegged a star born to win and like okay bohemian rhapsody's fine but the more that people are talking about how good it is the more i hate it and now that it won a golden globe, it just ratcheted up to a 12,000. Well,
0: this is what I'm saying is what does this mean? A, a Star is Born is the favorite to kind of sweep the Oscars. Yeah. What does this mean?
2: See,
1: it means Bohemian Rhapsody is going to
2: win. Okay, it's because <laughs> kind of the Golden Globes is it's kind of a a joke compared to the Oscars. So it's just I don't know. I try not to give it too much weight, but also at the same time it's a pretty big thing. I don't know. I still just—it had freaking Shrek in the movie. How can a movie that has—it
0: had Mike Myers yes, or Shrek. Mike Myers. Oh, well, what who was, was the same thing?
2: Mike Myers. I, it's just I don't. Know. <laughs> I'm fine. Everything's fine. It's fine. Um. A
1: Star Is Born is way
2: better. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs>
0: I don't know how to use this website on the computer. I only know how to use it on my phone. Whatever. Oscar predictions by experts. So let's see if this yeah. is... So we are on goldderby.com, which is a website for predicting the Oscars. People can go in and vote, but it also takes into account, uh, quote-unquote, experts' predictions. Uh, um, let's see.
1: It looks like Green Book is pretty popular. We never saw that. Yeah, I never
2: no, saw never that one either. either.
0: But I'm seeing it, it was odd Because two weeks ago A Star is Born Was sweeping predictions Yeah But it seems like Roma
2: But that's also Kind of what happened uh, Last year um, Three billboards Was sweeping Pretty much everything That's true Oh and yeah And then star, uh, What's it called Shape of Water came in
1: I would love to see Roma win
2: I know yeah. I said that I'd be fine with podcast. either Roma or A Star is Born Me
1: too But not
2: But not, not Bohemian Rhapsody
1: well, that's what I'm saying. It's
0: not even in the discussion.
2: Yeah.
0: Oh, this is... Okay, this is the page I know. So, yeah. Um, A Star is Born is currently still on top, but Roma is quickly rising. So, who knows? But what I'm saying is, like, as far as... Um, Bohemian Rhapsody is down to number nine on the list. Um, I don't know. I just... The Golden Globes are usually a decent predictor of things.
2: Yeah, I mean, there were like a few kind of strange nominations or wins, but that one was just so out of left field. I just, I don't understand it. Yeah. Also, why wasn't that nominated as a musical? It's a movie about Queen.
0: That's a fair point. <laughs> um. Best actress, Glenn Close beat out Lady Gaga.
2: I was surprised by that.
0: Did you see the wife?
2: I didn't. But apparently she's good. I mean, apparently. Yeah. I was surprised though.
0: Right now. Let's see. Yeah. Glenn Close is currently the favorite to win Best Actress. Hmm. Just ahead of Lady Gaga.
1: I would love to see Lady Gaga win. Yeah, I would.
0: I'd be fine with Lady Gaga or Olivia Coleman. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. Because I just don't think that. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Heavens. Bless you. Oh, uh, what's her name? In hereditary. Tony Collette. I don't Toni think she's going to get nominated. Well, that's
1: oh, yeah. stupid. I know. Because she was so good.
2: Ugh. Well, nominations come out in less than two weeks. Yep. So. Well. Ten days
0: yeah I mean a lot of these other winners for the Golden Globes are not super surprising. Um, a lot of, uh, the score from first man is getting a lot of love.
2: Oh, yeah, I'd believe it
1: but.
0: <sighs> oh, that's why Bradley Cooper was nominated for performance in a drama, and I was looking at performance in a comedy. Mm. What are you gonna do? Um, but yeah, I think everything All else right. is pretty by the books.
2: So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that's it. Yeah. Yep.
0: Well, we can com- well, we, uh, we appreciate everybody listening. We, let's see, what do we got going on? <sighs> loading, loading, loading. Ooh! Um, next week we'll be coming at you talking about uh, Adam McKay's *The Big Short*. Um,
2: That'll be a good one. Yeah,
0: that's a fun movie. I like it a lot. Uh, <laughs> spoilers! I like it. I like all the movies we watch. <laughs> I, I make the list, so of course I like all the movies we watch. Um, but yeah. Um, anything else, guys? I
2: think that's it. Nope.
0: All right. Thanks well, for listening. We thank you for listening. We truly appreciate you. Uh, here's to kicking off a good 2019
2: yeah let's do it
0: uh we love you I am Andrew
2: I'm becca I'm Sid,
0: and we'll talk to you next time
2: bye See ya.